Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 206. We're your hosts, I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hi guys, how are you guys doing? Hello. I am doing okay. Today, randomly, I pulled something in my ankle. And this happens to me all the time. I have a half marathon this Sunday. And, oh, no. and I'm always super conscious, conscious of like, okay, don't hit your knee or don't like, don't do anything out of the ordinary. Like I used to be a, um, a coach for young girls basketball and I'd be like, no, no, I can't, I can't practice with you girls today because you know, there's a lot of lateral movement in basketball and I wouldn't want to hurt my knees. And today I literally was just reaching up high to grab some wrapping paper. My niece's birthday is next week and I was going to wrap some presents to have them sent off and just weirdly how I stretched my foot I felt a pull in my ankle and it hurt so bad so for the last about hour I've just been sitting here with ice on my foot and also I might be the last person in the world to know this information but just in case if there's one more of you out there just so you know Tylenol is not an anti-inflammatory acetaminophen is just a pain reliever <laughs> you have to take either ibuprofen or naproxen tell me why i made it to 51 years old and never knew that <laughs> you take tylenol for everything yeah i do and you know why because that's all i had in the house and i didn't know there was a difference and it worked so now i know <laughs> like i knew like i knew there was a difference in like blood thinning like like one like thins your blood or something mm -hmm. i think it's ibuprofen who knows sarah who knows? Is, shaking, is nodding her head so no. she's the one closest to the the medical, the medical field. field yeah <laughs> Uh, it's it's the aspirin that's uh, that thins the blood a little bit. Back in the old days, I don't know if they still do it now, but for old people, they have them take a baby aspirin uh, every day as part of their regimen. First of all, yes, I'm old, and second of all, yes, my doctor has me on aspirin. Oh, <laughs> not the aspirin. No, but <laughs> wait, is but aspirin you know acetaminophen? No, it's separate. Yes. Aspirin is aspirin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, now it's time for Chisme de la Semana. Kristen, you have some chisme for us today. What is that? Chisme. What is the chisme? It is so amazing that I just found out that and of course you guys all know that it is award season and i think it was the nighttime uh emmys that happened recently um and of course the big ones the academy awards always happen in either january or february but it is also award nomination season for comic books and so i turned on my facebook the other day and i was so pleasantly surprised and super excited 
to hear and find out that Richard Fairgray, the um, creator of Four Color Heroes, was nominated for a GLAAD Media Award. Um, that is so amazing. So the book Four Color Heroes, which is the YA um, book that um, we actually reviewed. I don't know what episode it was, but it was a few episodes back. We read and reviewed it. I think we gave it the whole panaderia. And I don't, yes. I don't know what else we did, but it was such an amazing book. Um, I cried at the ending scene, even thinking about it right now. I'm getting a little choked up. But um, Four Color Heroes was nominated for Outstanding Original Graphic Novel or Anthology. And this is for that's amazing. the 35th Annual GLAAD Media Awards. So, yes, that's amazing. Um, if you happen to be, uh, I don't know how the awards work. So if you happen to be someone who votes <laughs> for these, make sure that you check out the um the nominees for outstanding graphic novel and vote for four color heroes i don't know i should have checked to see maybe we all can vote who knows but it surely deserves a nomination uh and i don't even know who they're up against but um i definitely hope that they win Absolutely. And as you remember, it was uh, published by Fanbase yes. Press. And also you can read it on Hoopla. So awesome. be sure to check that out. Just, yeah, yeah, just, like as, a find out. A mind, just as a reminder, uh, Hoopla is uh, an app that you can access with your library card and read comic books for free. Absolutely. So we're really excited for them. Congratulations. We can't wait to see who wins, but we you definitely have our vote. All right, guys, now it's time for On My Radar. Kristen, what is on your radar? Okay, so for some of you, this might come a little bit um, late, but I still do think that it is worth a mention because um, this comic book that I'm going to share with you on my radar was such a shocking surprise to me, A, at how good it was, and B, at how um, amazingly well it was um, written in that it pulled together two big properties into one book and made it so freaking interesting. So what book am I talking about? I am yeah, talking, about, talking about? <laughs> I'm talking about Duke. Now, who's Duke? Not talking about, um, what's that guy's name? Who is who's, who known as the Duke John Wayne? Not talking about John Wayne. <laughs> um, Duke is a G.I. Joe um, character. Now, I watched G.I. Joe when I was younger. Not because um, I was a big fan of G.I. Joe, but I have a brother who's 12 years younger than me. And when I was in high school... He was at the age, um, you know, waiting to go to school or waiting to go to daycare where he would watch cartoons in the morning. And G.I. Joe was one of the cartoons that he would watch. And so I would be there watching him or making sure, you know, he got ready for school or ate, ate, his, ate his breakfast, whatever. And so I would be there watching G.I. Joe with him. So I kind of got to know some of the characters. Um, whenever someone says, now you know, I always respond with, and knowing is half the battle. It's half the battle. <laughs> <laughs> um, yo, Joe. 
And so yes. um, when Sky uh, Image and Skybound announced um, that they were um, gaining the rights to both Transformers and G.I. Joe, um, no one really knew what that was going to look like or, um, you know, kind of how the storylines were going to go. Then they came out with Void Rivals, which was kind of um, this super secret, um, not even announced. Uh, they uh, uh, announced it to the retailers and it was kept secret for quite some time. But but Robert Kirkman uh, announced to retailers, hey, this is what we're going to do. You should up your orders, um, which... Kirkman, kudos to Kirkman for always being on the retailer's uh, side and trying to help them as much as he can. So we ordered High on Void Rivals and it came out and it was touted as being a G.I. Joe and Transformers crossover. So once that news broke, everyone was on board and wanted to read Void Rivals. Um, and I did read it. Um, I don't remember knowing much about like the characters that were in it, but um, when Transformers came out, I read it and I was like, wow, this is actually really good. I wasn't a Transformers fan when I was a kid, but I really enjoyed this book. So when Duke came out, I was like, I'm going to read this because um, <laughs> I really, and it's by uh, Joshua Williamson. And I don't know who Duke was. Um, I don't remember who he was. I'm sure I saw him in the cartoon. But it was so freaking good. So um, this book is, um, it came out in late December, December 27th, right after Christmas. So some of you probably were poor because you'd spent all your Christmas money and you didn't even make it to the comic book store <laughs> that week. Um, but I'm here to tell you two or three weeks later that this is worth it for you to go back. So this is a limited series, and it um, basically tells the story um, uh, and origins of G.I. Joe and Cobra uh, in a world grappling with the arrival of Autobots and Decepticons. So Duke, who is known in the G.I. Joe world as Conrad Hauser, um, investigates mysteries behind the Transformers. So basically in the story, what's going on, Duke is a, a military guy and he starts seeing things that he's like, what the hell am I seeing? Like these things flying in the sky or cars changing into planes or however those Transformer things work. And <laughs> there are reports throughout the world of these kinds of things happening. And he is going to his higher ups is like, okay, what is going on? Why do I not know what is happening? And basically he just gets um, the response of it's not, it's above your pay grade. Um, you don't need to know. How about you just go take uh, a vacation and don't put your nose where it doesn't belong. And of course, Duke is not the kind of guy who takes kindly to that kind of um, response. And so um, he, he wants to look for answers. And because um, he's not letting it go. The government wants to basically get rid of him. <laughs> so, what? And nice. so um, this is going to be the first of four, or it is the first of four G.I. Joe limited series that are coming out from Skybound. And it's basically setting the stage for a fresh new take on G.I. Joe, Cobra, and all, a all of the iconic characters coming from this property. So I was so surprised at how 
well this book was done. And not only was it done well in character development of Duke, which obviously is a character that already existed in the G.I. Joe world, but also the, the story of the actual crossover between G.I. Joe and Transformers was done so extremely well, made me interested to know what the heck was going on in both of those worlds and super, super interested in continuing to read this miniseries. So I would never in a million years have said, um, raise my hand if someone was like, who's interested in a G.I. Joe comic? Um, and not only that, but who's interested in a G.I. Joe comic telling you stories also about Transformers? I've been like, whatever, doesn't interest me. But if you are even a little bit of a fan of either of these, I think you're going to love this. And if you're not at all, like I wasn't, give it a chance because it's just that good. Dude, that is so cool. The last movie I saw about Transformers where they had the um the animal ones. I forgot what that's called. Uh anyway, the movie, the live action movie. Oh, uh -huh. there's a little scene at the end of the movie that makes a reference to G.I. Joe. So this is kind of exciting news to really? me. Really? Yeah. I haven't seen yeah. any Transformer movie ever. So <laughs> now I'm now yeah. I'm interested in going to see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's some juicy on my radar. All right, guys, it's that time again. La Hora de la Cervecita. Girls, what are we drinking today? Jen, what are we drinking? What are we drinking, Jen? <laughs> so today we are drinking Maui Brewing. No, no, it's called. Sorry, I was reading the big label. <laughs> we are drinking OMG Hazy IPA by Maui Brewing Company. It is a hazy India pale ale brewed with orange, mango, and guava. Ooh. Ooh. And then, I don't, is this? Oh, it is. <laughs> so my can's a little beat up. So I'm just like, I was like, is this trying to look like the island, the, like the Hawaii <laughs> islands? It's not. It's just the can peeling. <laughs> no, mine has the Hawaii islands on it. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it is. And it also has the coordinates of, I guess, Maui. I'm assuming those are the coordinates for Maui. Okay. Yeah, those are the well, mine, islands. Okay. I was looking at that too. I was just like, why did they put degrees in here? <laughs> <laughs> so this says it was crafted with passion inspired by paradise. Um... Maui Brewing Company is an innovative and independent brewing, a brewery. And it says, welcome to the Ohana. And the only reason I know what Ohana means is because of Disney. Ohana means family. It's Ohana family. means never being left behind. <laughs> um, okay, thanks, so Lilo and Stitch. Yes. <laughs> So um, I did not bring this back from Hawaii. I actually found this at, um, I think it was BevMo, and I got a case of it, and I tasted because the case, I think it was uh, six cans. So I tasted one. I was like, ooh, this is, this is delicious. So I sent them off to the ladies, and I kept one, and then I drank it because I thought <laughs> I could find it again. So oh. I went on a – I went on a – crazy ass search and still to this day I'm still searching for OMG and I go to every of these places I go to Bevmo I go to uh, Beer Bath and Beyond uh, no not Beer Bath and Beyond um, but I go to all these places and I ask them about the OMG 
uh, Maui Brewing Company beer. And they're like, there's no such beer. And I'm like, I just bought it. It exists. I even went to I went to Costco, to Target, to everywhere, everywhere looking for this. Never found it again. I, but that's I what find Maui to. Brewing Company a lot at Target, so I'm surprised they don't have any. But maybe yeah, it was, nobody has an OMG. Maybe it's limited. Yeah, I was I gonna say maybe it's limited because it does kind of sound like a summer flavor beer. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I'm excited so to far? try it. It sounds amazing. It smells pretty good, but um, I opened it and a bunch of foam came out, so I got to let it settle. <laughs> Let's see. Okay. Hazy IPA. So. Mm. I really want to like it, especially because it said it had guava and I really like guava. Have I ever had guava before? Guayabas. guayabas. You've never had guayabas? I don't oh, know. Oh, dude, I have a I have a guayaba tree. I got to do some just so you can taste it. Yes. They're oh. sweet, too. Really? Sweet. I yeah, don't sweet know thing. that I ever have had Look one. It's a nice golden Oh, it's tree. got it's got little floaties. Oh, no. You can't, re- <laughs> you can't really see. But it has the little floaties. Mm. It's very it like light. IPA. It's very light. It's very flavorful. Ooh. I don't know what guava tastes like, so I don't know if I'm tasting guava or not. I do know that I don't like papaya. Okay, I don't either. I okay. don't like papaya. You can taste the guayaba. Whenever I go to get bion- bi- how you say bionicos, I always uh-huh. they oh, always yeah. want to give me papaya. I'm like, no, I don't want <laughs> <No>. that. <laughs> don't give me You're that. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> None of those now. Very, very flavorful. I really like this a lot. Um, and it's it's an IPA, so you get the benefits of the ABV of an IPA. And this one happens to be 7.0. But you don't have, as with Hazy's generally, um, they don't have that strong, uh, what do you call it? The strong um, aftertaste um, of mm-hmm. a, a just straight IPA, that hoppy flavor that just overtakes everything um that uncultured swine think um (laughs) they a lot of people think that that is what makes a good ipa is when the the hoppiness is just so overpowering that that's all you you can taste um but this doesn't have that overpowering can you taste the hops yes um is it horrible no actually it really complements the fruit flavors for me anyway um i am really again i don't know what guavas taste like but i'm gonna take jen's um word for it that you can taste it in there um but i definitely taste the mango (laughs) um and uh other citrus fruits so i really like this a lot sarah this is a really really good one yeah, which is why you guys know now that I was I keep I still that you drank for already. It. I'm, st- <laughs> <laughs> I'm still searching, guys. I'm still searching uh, for this OMG Maui, um, and I'm probably gonna find it next summer. But like, I'm still like every time I go to the beer section, it's what I look for. You know what? It could just be that they don't distribute it distribute it outside of the summer that they. They focus more heavily on other winter beers. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's mm-hmm. true. What do you think, Jen? I know I've seen the Maui Brewing Company logo before in stores. So I think it 
is probably available. Just probably, maybe it might be seasonal. Brewed by Maui in San Diego, California, made in the USA. So it is local-ish. Mm-hmm. So they are probably, it might be a summer thing. Yeah. Because this is this doesn't feel like a winter beer. Mm-hmm. Right, right. It feels right. like a like like a spring or summer beer. Mostly summer, let's be real. Um uh, <laughs> but I I really, really like it. I like how tropical it tastes. I like that it isn't overwhelmingly IPA-ish. I know, blasphemy. Oh my god, why are you drinking IPAs if you don't even like IPAs? Because I have to Sarah okay? makes me. <laughs> Sarah makes me. And sometimes, sometimes I like them. <laughs> well i don't have the beer because like i said i drank it but i do honestly (laughs) remember the way i felt about it so i don't distinctly remember the the flavor notes but i do remember the rating i was going to give it when we reviewed it so um are you guys ready to rate the beer yeah so we have um a rating scale of five uh, different levels. The first being very unsatisfied. Uh, two out of five is just regularly unsatisfied. Um, a three out of five is just neutral. A four out of five is satisfied. And a five out of five is very satisfied. And because oftentimes we might find ourselves in a situation where five is n- just not enough for an extremely tasty beverage we have a um six out of five rating which is super saiyan and so i am going to i'm going to give this a five out of five very satisfied it doesn't quite give me um super saiyan uh vibes but i would definitely buy an entire case of this and enjoy the heck out of it heck out of it uh, in a during the summertime, during any time, we're in the middle of winter, and I'm enjoying it. So, um, I definitely get the OMG status of this beer. It is, oh my god, amazing! How about you, Jen? Uh, I am also gonna give it a five out of five um, because it's really, really good. I'm always surprised by the fact that I really do actually kind of like hazy IPAs because there are some that we haven't had, but I'm always like, I'm always like, ugh, IPA, gross. But <laughs> hazy IPAs are pretty good. Um, and they have been consistently good. So five out of five for me. Well, I'm going to give it a very satisfied because I obviously drank the remaining beers from the six pack <laughs> and then, and then still to this day proceed to look for this beer out in the world and to buy it because I was very satisfied. I remember the fla- I remember the flavor. I remember how much I loved it. So very satisfied for me. Yay. And that has been our beer review. All right, guys, now it's time for our book review. What are we reviewing today? So today we are reviewing a book called Frontera. And um, interestingly enough, we had been waiting for this book for two years um, because no thanks to my memory, uh, um, I forgot all about the fact that we actually uh, interviewed the writer of this book, uh, Julio Anta, way back in 2021. 
And he was yes. talking about this book um, as a future project that he was working on and how he was excited for it. And um, we actually were interviewing him with regards to his single limited series uh, that came out in single issues back then called Home. Uh, and um, this was just kind of already being worked on and um, wasn't scheduled to come out until 2023. And here we are now. It came out in 2023. And here we are now reviewing it. So this uh, book basically says as long as he remembers to stay smart and keep his eyes open, Mateo knows that he can survive the trek across the Sonoran Desert that will take him from Mexico to the United States. That is until he's caught by the Border, border Patrol only moments after sneaking across the fence in the dead of night. Escaping their clutches comes at a price, and lost in the desert without a guide or water, Mateo is ill-prepared for the unforgiving heat that is sure to arrive come sunrise. With the odds stacked against him, his one chance of survival may be putting his trust in something, or rather someone, that he isn't even sure exists. If you'd asked him if ghosts were real before he found himself face to face with one, Mateo wouldn't have even considered it. But now, confronted with the nearly undeniable presence of Guillermo, he's having second thoughts. Having spent his afterlife guiding migrants to safety, Guillermo knows things about the Sonoran Desert far beyond what could be explained by a mere hallucination. But even as Mateo forms an uneasy partnership with Guillermo, survival is still uncertain. So um, this book basically is about Mateo, who is the main character, who um, we find out was living in um, Arizona with his family. And they had brought him um, from uh, Mexico when he was three. And he's now, how old is he? 16? 15? 16. 16. 16. He's now 16. So he's been living in the United States for 13 years when um, they received uh, paperwork in the mail basically saying, hey, um, you are being uh, asked to come in and state your case um, because, um, you know, all of the all of the different changes that happened in the United States with regards to immigration um, after the 2016 election, a lot of families were, um, even though were being told um, that they would only be uh, highlighted or looked into if they broke the law, as everyone soon found out that wasn't the case. And a lot of families were getting these kinds of notices and um, basic, which basically resulted in them being deported. And Mateo, having come to this country um, at the young age of three, really knew nothing different. And so his family really um, is supporting him coming back to the United States. And the only way he can do so since he was born uh, in Mexico is to do it crossing the desert with um, with a um, guide. A coyote. A coyote. A coyote. And yeah. so um, that is kind of the um, lead up to where we um, are with Mateo. And can I just say, no offense to Julio, 
but I could not stand my t- <laughs> Oh my God, I wanted to punch him through the pages. I was so angry at him. I was like, who who could write a more hated, like uh, a character that I could have such passionate anger towards when I was reading? (laughs) Yeah, like... uh, Oh my God, that's so... The family sat him down. Obviously, he didn't know he was undocumented. He was going through his life just being like an American kid, you know, getting good grades. He was on the honor roll. He had AP. He was taking AP classes. I mean, he was like ready to go to college. And then all of a sudden, his family sits him down at the dinner table and are like, you know, we have to tell you something. You were born in Mexico and we brought you when you were three. And he just has, which... You know, understandable. He's 16. He has a total just breakdown. He yells at his parents, you ruined my life. How dare you lie to me? Why did you keep this from me? How dare you? I was going to go to college. (laughs) You know, I get it, dude. Um, but yeah, no, he just stormed out, locked himself in his room. I mean, it was just like total teenager angst and I get it, but yes, it was annoying, but that's not the only part he was annoying at. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Like, tell me why at one certain point I was rooting for him to just perish in the (laughs) desert. I was like, that's what you fucking get. I mean, he was total teenager oh throughout until like the very end. Yes, when he finally, yep. like you know, he, he yes, but, he he. What do you call it? Not rectified himself. Grows up. He, <laughs> no, <laughs> matures. Yeah, I, I I guess, but he what's the term? <laughs> redeems I want to say? Redeems. There you redeems go. Yes, ah, redeems go. himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> you know, next thing we know, he's like, I'm not gonna wait here. For it to be the right time. Yes. How do you know that it's the right time? Like, I'm just going to go. He's like, but he no, no, por favor. Juan literally Javier, had no. a checklist that his parents gave him. Do this, do this, do this, and then do this. And then there you are back in America with your abuelita. And one of them says, meet uh, your guide. He will take you to a safe place where you will wait until it is safe to cross. And that's what Sarah is saying, that he's like, I'm I'm not waiting here. Um, you don't know anything. Like, uh, these people are crossing, and so how come we're not crossing? And he just takes off, and they're like, Ple- yes, exactly. They're pleading with him, don't go, don't go. I have intel. I have guys on the inside. I know that it's not safe. And he's like, you don't know any, and he just walks off and what happens (laughs) (laughs) you know the thing that bothered me was that juan javier the coyote the guy he says but your parents paid me to take care of you and he's like i don't care and i'm just like your parents saved the money just to have you cross the border safely and you're just gonna be like i don't give a fuck about the money not only (laughs) that do you know how many coyotes just don't care yeah right they they would leave so many Mm -hmm. they they'll take the money and they'll leave you to die and they'll be like he couldn't he couldn't cut it he couldn't cut through it hell if they even say anything so many people just get lost yep forever exactly I was angry. Oh, I'm annoyed just thinking I about it. I was angry most um, through this book. Yes. Yes. 
And not just I mean, because of Mateo. When um when they came across I'm kind of skipping ahead a little bit, but when Mateo comes across the um shell not the what do they call it? The water station. That's not what they called it. Yes, the water station. So yes. there, <coughs> there are organizations, and sometimes not even organizations. Although there are like nonprofit organizations that um, specifically go and leave water and food and supplies um, in the desert for people who are making this trek. And there's even just private citizens who do that uh, and go out and leave jugs of water where um, it is known that people who are crossing the border are coming through. And we do get a little bit of a history of how things changed over the years that, um, you know, walls went up and it forced people to uh, have to go further to into places which were more dangerous. Um, and um, we come across uh, or they come across this water station and all of the jugs and the big barrel and everything are just destroyed on purpose to prevent these people who are crossing from having water. And it is assumed that it's the militias who are doing it. Um, and so basically the militias are just as it sounds. These are just normal citizens who are taking upon themselves in their racist old mindset that they're going to go out there and they're going to do the government's job by basically rounding these people up and preventing them from crossing the border. And I got, I get so angry every time I hear these kinds of stories um, because we've also heard that people who uh, have gone out to leave water um, are being freaking arrested for going out yeah. to help another human being. Can you imagine being the person that's like, I'm going to destroy all this water and hopefully someone who comes to and needs it really bad will instead die and not come into my country illegally. Like, can you imagine being the person who wishes death upon someone who is just wanting a better life in another country, regardless if it's legal or not? Like, how could that be your go-to? Like, I'd rather they die. Like that's just right. I was so angry reading that part of the yeah. of the book because in the way it's like manslaughter. Yeah, yeah. You you are you. What could have saved this person's life? You've denied them this. You have killed them, and you have, and that is what you want. You want them to die. Yeah. Like that. How is that not manslaughter? Like fuck y'all. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Although the story, I got to say, yeah, it has those points where it gets you angry. And yes, you're angry and even emotional. I mean, there's, I think, two parts in the comic that I actually almost burst into tears. But I, this this story in itself is about Guillermo trying to cross. I mean, not Guillermo, Mateo trying to cross the border. Um, he's trying to go to college. He's trying to get there before he his first day of school, which is understandable why he's upset. But at the... Um, at the forefront of the story, the story is about hope, I think, because uh, throughout the story, uh, you're you're traveling with Mateo, but Mateo has had sev a lot of help mm -hmm. from several different places. I mean, you have 
spoiler alert, there's a ghost named Guillermo. But you, <laughs> <laughs> and he helps him out. He actually died of dehydration 70 years ago while crossing the same desert. And then um, he also has help from... Um, Darcy, who is she lives in a reservation. It's uh, the Tohono O'Odham uh, reservation, and she's also one of the people that tries to help by putting out water at water stations. And she she finds Mateo in his time of distress and helps him out. And then Mateo even gets help from a fucking jaguar. I mean, come on, that's freaking cool. <laughs> okay, that's part of the story. To be honest with yes. you. Like Julio, if you're listening to this podcast, I want a book all about that Jaguar. Like jaguar, there was yes. something to that cat's story that intrigued me and I wanted to know more. And I wanted some backstory as to the interaction that the Jaguar had with Mateo when they finally came face to face. And, um, what the story was there um and in the story what i perceived was there was there was that there was some um definite parallels to their stories um because mateo asked guillermo what is a jaguar doing here and basically um they said uh guillermo said they um they were they're stuck here all the walls went up and they were prevented from getting back to their home. The, the cat was prevented from, from going home. And so there's definitely parallels to the story. And um, they have two different colored eyes. The cat has two different colored eyes. I want to know, like, what was the significance there? Um, because then you can also see that Mateo can see himself in the eyes. Like, there was so much in those small little panels because the, the cat felt like it was a bigger part of the story than what I got, if that makes sense. Like, mm. like I wanted more. Yeah, like there was stuff cut out. <laughs> yeah. Like there was something missing. Uh-huh. Um, I also want to thank you for bringing up the, the imagery about that scene, that panel about the jaguar and the reflection of Mateo and his family in the cat's eye, in the jaguar's eyes. Uh, because I feel like so much was said, like you're saying, there's more there. So mm -hmm. much was said with just the artwork. Mm -hmm. Because obviously the jaguar can't talk. Right. So just the artwork gave you such a deep and longing for more of a story that's there. And that was, I think, just so meaningful. And, and that gives like a lot of props to the artist, which is Jacoby Salcedo. Um, he did an amazing job with the artwork. There's some panels where you see just desert and you can even see, you know how like when it's so hot in the desert, becomes kind of blurry yeah. at the horizon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was portrayed okay. in the artwork. I mean, this is artwork nice. is just sublime. Not only that, like uh, when you, and you know what the cool thing is like, because it's desert, we don't have so many busy things that obstruct the dialogue bubbles. It's just so fresh. Like the whole thing, the color panel, the color scheme is just really great. I mean, the artist just did an amazing job with the story. I think the marriage between the artist and the story was just amazing. But I feel like with this story, Frontera, you could tell a lot of the stories. You could tell the story of 
Juan Javier, who is the coyote. You could tell the story about Darcy and her friend Yasmin. We never met Yasmin, yeah, but she yeah. talked about Yasmin, who was part of the people who construct the water stations. And because of Yasmin's commitment to constructing water station, Darcy also feels kind of a commitment. Uh, and then she has like a story behind her family, her a native family that that also um, kind of it, it is is kind of a uh, kind of a parallel to the story that they're telling here with crossing the border, and then we have um, Felipe yes. and Guillermo's story. We could, I mean, they gave us a little bit of story, and I thought that was beautiful. But I think we could have more. So there's kind of a lot of spinoffs that could happen from this one trade paperback. Yeah, I- and like you said, the jaguar, which they have named El Jefe. <laughs> I'm like, forget all the humans. <laughs> I want to know about, about the El cat. Jefe. <laughs> but um, you mentioning a Felipe and Guillermo story, I did want to bring that up because I found it um, super, super compelling. Um, we learn that Guillermo, who, remember, is the ghost who is helping um, Mateo cross the desert, he shares with uh, Mateo that he and his family came to the United States legally. They came to the United yes. States as part of the Bracero program. And um, they were here helping to do all of the agricultural work that was left um, by um, men who had to leave for war in um, in World War II. Um, but of course, as everyone knows, that Bracero program left um, uh, left a lot of broken uh, families and um, really opened the, I think, opened the, the big issues of why we have such a problem with immigration um, now. Yeah, And so um, I found that super interesting. And basically um, when Mateo, not Mateo, when Guillermo was here working within that program, he met Felipe and they became really good friends and they became more. And so this was a, a story of um, also falling in love and falling in love mm-hmm. during a time where loving someone who was, of the same gender as you was definitely even less accepted than it can be these days. And so mm-hmm. I found that super, super. And, and then in addition in a Latino culture, like um, where, you know, uh, machismo, uh, you know, it, it can definitely be a little bit toxic. And so I, and, and it seemed to me, and I don't know if I just read that into it because I wanted it to be like that, but it seemed to me that Guillermo sharing that part of his story was that they were just accepted um, by the rest of the workers for who they were. So um, I really, I think that was one of the points in the story that I really did get teary eyed over because what happened is that the government basically came in and said, we don't need you anymore. Get the fuck out. And, um, they had been here for so long that, you know, their life was here. They needed money. Um, it was beneficial for them. And so Philippe, uh, Felipe, um, came back and Guillermo was on his way to his the love of his life when he died of dehydration in the oh my god that's just like i just want to cry right now uh. yeah 
You're breaking my heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's more. I mean, this story has many layers, including why is Guillermo's ghost tethered to the to the yeah. desert? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he's like, I just want to cross over, you know, and be uh, with so my love. Yes, he's like, I'm sure he's already passed on. I just want to be with him. Anyway, do um, you know that I thought that that was what was going to happen? That uh, that Mateo was going to go and find him and be like, Guillermo just wants me to tell you that, you know, he was trying to get back to you and he loves you and that that was going to be what made it so that Guillermo could pass on. But it didn't go that way. But that's what I, that was in my mind. That was the, the love story. That's what you wanted to happen. That was the love story that I thought was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, uh, I particularly like the end. There's a point, um, there was a, a, like a couple of sentences that, um, that Guillermo told Mateo, and that just broke me. I just started to cry. I don't want to mention it because I really think you guys should go out there and buy this book and read it. It's just really a, an amazing story. Yeah. Um, I don't, don't want to give too much away. Don't misinterpret yeah. me saying that I hated Mateo <laughs> <laughs> in that I didn't like Mateo, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like the When there was so much more other interesting characters, <laughs> the main character got sidelined. I think it happens. I think it speaks where the story and like how creative it is. The fact you can be like, look, I did not like this character or I did not find them endearing, but the rest of the story was so good. It kept pulling me back in and then there's payoff. I think above all else, the fact that there is payoff for a dislikable character is so so good it is such a hard thing to do because it's like and even then it might not intentionally be dislikable this is just like look this is what i I think how a teenager who has been raised in this certain way and this then suddenly thrust into like this something that happens this is how they would realistically act you uh and i think that is really really cool and really like really interesting as well so i think the the main character might be appealing to some people no matter what because they might be able to see themselves in them or like it's like oh it's like a new different lived experience but also some people are be like no this character is a little too relatable and i hate it Well, I mean, I think one of the uh, turning points for me was when he was very sick and had that fever dream about him being in court with his family. Yeah. And that's when I'm like, yes, I understand where his anger stems from. Yeah. So anyway, having said that, um, I think we're ready to rate the book. Yes. What is our rating scale? So our rating scale is a scale of one to three conchas, with uh, three conchas being the absolute most conscious that Jen's mom ever allowed her to eat in one sitting. So of course that was the best. So um, we definitely um, have uh, some extras if it's a book that we really, really uh, enjoy. And in this case, I am going to give, (laughs) I'm going to give it tres conchas and a big freaking jug of water because that's all I could think (laughs) of in reading this book like visually I just kept going back to those destroyed jugs of water excuse me and imagining what it must 
feel like. And this is this obviously is a fiction book, but this happens to people. You know, people are are making that trek every day and what it must feel like to be in such dire need of that water and come across those jugs that have just been destroyed on purpose, you knowing that it's because somebody would rather you die than make that that trek. So mm-hmm. that is right. my that is my rating. <laughs> Well, this is Sarah, and I'm going to give it the whole panaderia. It made me feel so many emotions. It was just really quite an amazing book. I love the artwork. It made me feel a lot angry, despair, uh, hunger, thirst. <laughs> like, it just made me feel everything. <laughs> so I'm going to give it the whole panaderia and a humongous jug of water as well. What about you, Jen? This is Jen, and I have a confession. <laughs> There's a reason I haven't been talking a lot. I did not read the book. And let me tell you why. It's because I couldn't find it because I'm dumb and I don't know where I left it. Uh, I'll probably find it. I really want to read it now. Like this, this review session has been for all of us. Honestly, I I am one of our listeners right now because the way that you two have reviewed this, I'm like, shit. I gotta find this book. I gotta actually find this book so I can read it now. Because it definitely sounds like something that I would absolutely love. So just off of your review, I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm gonna love it in Tres Um, um, But as it is, wow. What what an informative session for all of us. (laughs) (laughs) And that has been our book review. Alright guys, now it's time for En La Libreria. Jen, what do you have for us today? So today I have Folkloric, Tales of Folklore and Horror, a folk horror anthology collection, statuette, audio dramas, and more. (gasps) So uh, this is being on being uh, kicked off, I guess, by Stefan Spinas uh, and... The artist Stefan Spinas from Cape Town, South Africa, was born and raised in Cape Town. Stefan currently clearly works as a freelance illustrator, artist, and creative streamer on Twitch. Ste- Stefan? Steven? I am never sure how I'm supposed to pronounce that. I'm going to go ahead and say <laughs> Steven. Yes, Steven my originally brother, dreamed. My brother mm-hmm. spells it like that, and he goes by Steven. <laughs> Steven, okay. Steven originally dreamed of a job in animation. However, after working on the production of Caillou as a background artist, he realized that animation game wasn't just wasn't for him. Many years later, he began an apprenticeship to become a tattoo artist with Kenneth Van Esch and Duncan Letts of Now Needles and Pins Tattoo, where he developed new skills and abilities under the watchful eye of his two skilled teachers. After two years of an apprenticeship, Stephen was offered a position at Witch Doctor Productions, where he would later become the creative director, illustrating and designing for international heavy metal artists such as Behemoth, Cannibal Corpse, Ministry, The Darkest Hour, as well as numerous other tours, including Witchfest 2015-2017. Present day, Steven has decided to spread his wings, and after his first taste of conventions at FanCon 2017 in Cape Town, he was hooked. Join in on the journey that is Steven's artistic career and follow on social media and tune in on Twitch uh, for live artwork. Holy shit! (laughs) I didn't even know that, and I I know a bunch of those bands. Uh So, let me give the little synopsis that they have right here. 
It starts off with Right Like Hell, Folkloric. Folkloric. Tales of Folklore and Horror is a collection of 16 terrifying tales drenched in ritual, superstition, and myth. Featuring stories from authors all around the world, this anthology delves into the dark traditions of ages past and the uncanny sources that inspired them. Walk with us on the cave of Kivachi beside the twisted Imbunche. Imbunche? Yeah, that looks like Imbunche. Add your voice to the, our invocation as we raise the woman of the forest. Join us in the shadow of the Uraka Mesa as we explore the secrets of Skull Mountain. From Chilote folklore to tales of bewitchery, folkloric tales of folklore and horror is packed with stories of the macabre, the sinister, and the downright horrifying. Featuring stories from C.L. Werner, Felix Blackwell, Miranda Dolan, Eric Nunnally, and a lot of other names. I'm so sorry. I'm not going to go through all of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, folkloric Tales of Folklore and Horror uh, is 16 Tales uh, of Folk Horror. It features a Joe Ten statuette, an audiobook, an audio drama, soundtrack, and more. And... It says, add your voice to our invocation. So it looks like there's a hardcover. They break down, like, into, like, the they gave a picture of the statuette. I guess it's already been cast, and that's how they're going to be printed. Uh, the audio drama, when it comes to audio productions, we've been busy. We've included two fully immersive audio productions in addition to the folkloric tales of folklore and horror anthology and audiobook. So, okay, so the audiobook is someone just reading it, and audio drama is someone performing, if you oh, want cool. to know the distinction. So, like, the stories, like, may, there's the, there might not necessarily be a narrator. It's just you're, you're basically, mm -hmm. like, like, a radio drama, like, the, like in the olden times. <laughs> <laughs> but when they gave um, old people aspirin. Yeah, when they gave old people aspirin. When, when, when cocaine was still considered a medicine. You know, the good, the good shit. Old days. <laughs> so, um, there is, of course, uh, you can always back without expecting a reward, but the base pledge does start at $10. This gets you a digital copy of Folkloric, uh, as well as any digital stretch goals they have that they might reach. The next tier is $15. This gets you the paperback and digital copy uh, and all the previous rewards. And then at, uh, let's see, what is, what? Okay, the paperback. There's another $15 one. Uh, oh, with a soundtrack uh, and any digital rewards. At $25, you get the Jotun statuette and all other previous rewards. And then at, oh, there's multiple statuettes. You can choose between a Jotun one and a Cthulhu statuette. Oh, wow. Yes. And then at $30, you get the paperback, digital, the audiobook, and as well as the digital one. So no statuette, but you do get the audiobook. At $35, you get the statuette as well as the digital copy of Folkloric. And then it keeps on changing and going on to different... Uh, they have a lot of different separate rewards. Oh, cool. There's a Baba Yaga statuette. I kind of want that. <laughs> oh, is that. Or is the tier called Baba Yaga? Oh, no. The tier is called Baba Yaga. Aww. Anyways. A uh, future now, I would like a Baba Yaga statue. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. I'm trying to see if there's like a retailer edition as well. Hmm... Not that I can tell. 
but they are, they do have multiple rewards and it looks really really cool the artwork of what we can see it is also really amazing uh and there are other rewards as well from different projects that they have done before so other books and audio uh other audio dramas and um, um audiobooks as well so it has already met its goal of a thousand dollars which honestly is oh, mind-boggling wow. it's like I'm just like wow that little okay it's currently at nine thousand three hundred and five dollars oh my gosh which, Whoa. yeah that's like a nine hundred percent like plus uh oh, wow uh, yeah it's at one hundred and thirty five backers with twenty five days to go it's called folkloric f o l k l o r i c tales of folklore and horror on Kickstarter check it out. Definitely looks really, really cool. There's two statues to choose from. There's audio book. There's an audio drama. You can like, there's other also like little like rewards that you can do instead as well. They have multiple, multiple tiers uh, that you can back. And honestly, if this dude has done like album artwork for like Cannibal Corpse and like all these Ooh. others, like super sick bands, like hell yeah. Sign me up. I want to see this. <laughs> so that's awesome. Check it out. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah, Cannibal Corpse. Oh my God, 1990s. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen, what do you have for us today? So, today uh, in Juntos y Fuertes, which is our segment where we highlight projects by members of marginalized groups that we think need to be highlighted. I have for you um, another crowdfunding uh, project, but this time uh, for not a book, but to help out a lo local comic shop. So um, Nostalgic Comics, which is located in um, East Los Angeles area of uh, the city, is asking for help. So this uh, GoFundMe it was started by Marisol Seja, and um, she is uh, pleading to the community to help Nostalgic Comics. Um, they are a physical local comic shop who is having some problems right now uh, with some unexpected expenses that happened in the new year, and it is preventing them from being able to pay their rent. And so basically, Mari said, as we begin 2024, the comic shops left standing are becoming fewer and fewer. And tell me why I feel called out. Um, sites like Amazon <laughs> makes it so hard to compete and local businesses are suffering. Uh, my favorite comic book shop and home away from home has taken a hit after hit and it survived into 2024, but just barely. If we want physical stores to continue and physical books to be in our hands, we need to support our small local businesses. Pete, who is Peter Malini, who is the owner of Nostalgic Comics, uh, has made Nostalgic Comics a hangout spot, creative space, and home for so many of us. So let's do what we can to help our favorite comic slinger out. 
I know he hates asking for help, but he never hesitates to give help. Even $1 would make a difference. Make a New Year's resolution to help out a beloved local small business and keep the dream of real concrete comic shops still alive. A place to hang out, geek out, and feel welcomed. Um, also, something that um, I don't know if it's public, but um, I'm going, he said it to me, so now I'm going to, in the, in the famous words of Jolly Ginger from TikTok, I'm going to make it publicer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Peter said that uh, he hopes to bring um, East LA Comic Con. Um, don't ask me what the real name of it is anymore because I'll always finally remember Cape. it. Is that Cape, Cape, thank you. East LA Cape. <laughs> um, he's hoping to bring it back in June. So he's oh, working on amazing. it. He's just w waiting for a couple of things um, to happen. And uh, East LA Cape will always have a special place in Comodacy Comics' heart because it is the very first convention that we ever did. Um, and we met so many amazing Latino creators, um, some of which have become our good friends over the years. We met Jaime Hernandez. We met Javier Hernandez. We met Lalo Alcaraz, um, just so many great creators in the uh, Latinx comic industry. Um, and we had such a great time and we met so many freaking people. I'll never forget. I, I talked so much over those two days um, that, uh, was it two days? You lost your book. It was just one, oh, one oh, day. Okay. It, one it, felt day? Like, it felt like two days. Uh, are you sure? Yeah, I think you're right. I lost my voice. Yes. And so we all did. <laughs> so um, please, if you can donate to the GoFundMe, we will add the link uh, up into our, um, our, our podcast. I think we've already shared it on Facebook. Um, and if you can't donate, then please just share the link to uh, your social media. Every little bit helps. Um, and believe me, I definitely can empathize with really um, having the passion to keep the local comic shops alive. All right, guys, that brings us to saludos. And saludos goes out today to Queer Comic Creator. Queer Comic Creator reached out to us via Instagram and uh, they suggested something to us uh, regarding our episodes. Uh, they were re-listening to the I, Miha episode and were suggesting that although the, uh, the creator's pronouns were... Um, announced at the end of the book review the suggestion was made to do them at the beginning of the book review which i think is an, a marvelous idea so that there is no confusion and we are all inclusive um, and so i am very happy that queer comic creator has reached out to us and thank you so very much for that suggestion sometimes we just get really carried away and just talking that uh, uh we just kind of get just kind of what is it called? Just kind of like we kind Swept of forget. Up. <laughs> Swept up. Thank you. I meant yes. to say that. But, that um, we forget. So, yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for bringing that up. It is definitely really great feedback and we really appreciate it. And we're definitely going to implement it from here on out. Thank you so much for reaching out to us. We really appreciate it. Again, saludos to Queer Comic Creator. Thank you so much. Saludos goes out to you. All right, guys, that brings us to the end of this episode. Where can they find us, girls? 
As always, you can find everything Komasi Comics related on our very own website at komasicomics.com where you can find links to all of our social media and especially to our YouTube channel where we have um, posted interviews of uh, amazing Latinx creators uh, and you, I don't remember which episode it was, but you can go and find the Julio Anta interview and you can um, see us uh, interview him regarding his book Home and he does talk a little bit about Frontera. This was back in 2021, but I just recently re-watched it um, after remembering that we did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I, I went back and I, I really, really enjoyed it. Just, you know, I obviously participated in it, but actually watching it, I enjoyed it. So I think if you are interested in Frontera or learning more about Julio, who is the writer, um, I definitely think you should check it out. Also, I would like to um, give a trigger warning of family separation in that interview. So... <laughs> It's a, it's, yeah. oh, yes. Definitely. It was a heavy interview. It was good, a, good call. Yes, definitely. <laughs> but d just an amazing, amazing interview. I loved it. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. That brings us to the end of this episode. We are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Thank you, guys. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. And that's on period. Network. <laughs>